Hi everyone, Cora here. Welcome back to Rev on Air, the Rev on Bear podcast, a place for sustainable storytelling with founders, activists, creatives, and phenomenal individuals who are paving the way for a more conscious green future for us all. Today, I am very excited to have one of the pioneers of the clean and green beauty space with me, a woman who is thinking about local manufacturing and all natural ingredients as an integral part of everything she does, way ahead of it becoming the marketing tool that we so often see it happening today. I'm talking about no other than Suzanne Kaufman, whose natural beauty line has become somewhat of a staple for many of us in the sustainable skincare space. The idyllic Austrian Alpine region of the Bregenzerwald has been home to Suzanne Kaufman and her family for generations. Rolling hills adjacent to rugged peaks, vast meadows, and rare plant life are framed by cultivated land and the smell of homegrown herbs and colorful flora. Suzanne grew up here, immersed in an understanding of the local traditions and the beauty and wellness benefits that could be found in the plants that grew in abundance in the area, which have served as her inspiration for the brand. Today, the Suzanne Kaufman brand combines Suzanne's expertise in natural ingredients and skincare philosophy with her values for innovation and sustainable living, and she shares this with her customers all over the world. Today, we discuss how important using sustainably sourced natural ingredients is to creating a more sustainable beauty world, how incredibly important diet and lifestyle factors are when it comes to the health of our skin and our bodies, and also just the incredible power of plants. I can't wait to share this with you all. Now over to my conversation with Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. And, you know, I always I always like to just ask our podcast guests to kind of start at the beginning, um, at the beginning of the episode. And, you know, I, I mentioned in our introduction that you really grew up in this beautiful part of Austria, that that's really spoken to you your whole life. I mean, so much so that it's actually become sort of the benchmark of your brand. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your childhood and, and growing up and how nature and, and the natural world that you were so immersed in became such an integral part of you that you you kind of turned it into your business, it, all, it almost seems. Yeah. Hi, Cora. Thank you for inviting me for this talk. Um, yeah, my childhood was beautiful. I grew up here in Lake the western part of Austria at the Lake of Constance. And my childhood was very different what, what children have nowadays because we spent more or less all the time outside. Yeah. So from from the hotel where I grew up to the next the nearest forest, it takes you three minutes. So our playground was actually the forest. So we played there. Um, we always were aware of the nature, trees, everything. So that was very natural growing up. And then uh, one of the very special moments in my year when I was a child was always when we spent three weeks in a little hut in the Alps with my grandmother, my brother, my cousins. Because, you know, in Austria, the holidays are like nine weeks long. So my mom, she ran the hotel, so she didn't have time for the whole summer. So we were sent to this little hut in the mountains. And then we spent, and there was literally nothing, no electricity, no hot water. I mean, no screen, nothing. And then we were there for three weeks every summer in August. And just spent our time there and you can imagine it was uh, from morning to evening just out of the little house and uh, exploring nature animals and whatever was there yeah so it's, it's really part of um yeah my life this this part of the world yeah well i mean it sounds extremely idyllic and I, I guess an easy sort of decision to stay and and to sort of translate that into something um, beautiful yourself. And so, you know, how did you kind of start your foray into the beauty world? Like, was this always something that you had an interest in or was it something that like kind of emerged holistically over time? No, because we had, we used to have a, uh, a Kurabteilung in the hotel in the 70s. My mom and my uncle, as a doctor, they started. Nowadays, you would say it's a medical spa. 
So we had this medical spa back then in the 70s when I grew up and we did massage, we did the mud, the mud wraps, you know, which is very healthy. Um, we did food reflex uh, massage, things like this. And I loved to spend time there with our, we had one therapist and I loved to spend time with her and I was happy to help her to, to prepare baths and, and things for our guests. And uh, once a week, that was my little, um, my treat every week, I got myself a massage because I loved it so much. So it was very early stage in my early, in my early childhood when I explored my first treatments and I always loved it. Yeah, so that was somehow where I grew up. You, like getting into the wellness side of things. I, I mean, that sounds like a very idyllic way to grow up, like with, you know, this sort of medical retreats. And obviously now we're seeing that come more and more, but obviously, you know, you guys were doing, or at least your parents were doing at the hotel, you know, more sort of specific, like full body treatments. But, you know, what made you get sort of like into the idea of skincare or starting your own business? Was it that like your family was entrepreneurial and so you kind of, wanted to do it too or was there a moment where you were like there's a real you know there's a real space for this sort of yeah that was actually a moment because I overtook the place in 94 and I found myself here in the little village and thinking how can I attract people coming to Betzal so I said I, I'm going to focus to the spa world mm. and we started that very very early and uh, it went very well back then there was this huge wellness trends mm. so we did little retreats three days where you got a manicure pedicure a facial and a peel and so it was really a boom and in 2003 i told my brother who's architect listen i need another spa because this is not working anymore it's too small the rooms are the treatment rooms are too small you can hear everything so it didn't work and, and, um, and then I said, yes, and we, we discussed about the architecture. And uh, so we said, okay, we will have this atrium to bring down nature and everything. And I was saying, okay, nature, and what do we do with the products? Yeah, how it's not only to say, okay, there's a tree, but <laughs> how can we do transport this to our treatments? And so I was, starting checking what is on the market uh, about natural cosmetics and clean beauty it was quite empty back then that market yeah. yeah and so instead of finding another product uh, i was lucky to find ingo metzler who is my long-term partner um, and our still our producer for the cosmetics yeah and then we started the whole journey started out of the idea in our spa to have our own natural cosmetics so I, I never thought of of doing distribution back then you know it was really made for our treatments our spa here in Beza and that was the beginning of the journey that is amazing and was it always like because I always kind of wonder this back in the earlier days I mean obviously now everybody's talking about clean beauty whether they're authentic in this conversation or not is another story but was it always something like that was just because you were you were using it yourself and because you had access to all these natural resources was it something that you just you were like of course this is going to be naturally done or was it something that you were like no we have to make sure that we are not using chemicals that we're using like local resources I mean what was the mentality back, you know, in 1994 when, when things were so different, you know? You know, here in the Bregenzer Wald, you grow up in a very, it's a really a good world because things are close, uh, transport is close, you use the, the local things. So this is, for us, this is nothing new, you know? So this is somehow our heritage. So uh, already back then, when, when I started the hotel, 
that was always we used the, the, the ingredients for the kitchen it came from here when we did uh, renovations in the hotel we used carpenters from the region to do our furniture the architects so everything is very local yeah we have wines from austria um so that was some uh, that was the philosophy already back then in the for the hotel so it was very clear when when i talked to to ingo the first time and told him and he asked me what do you want i mean you have to to tell me what kind of, of products you would like to have then i said it's so clear we do what we always did we take what is surrounding us and make something out of this so it was obvious for me already I mean, it's so funny because when you say it like that, it seems like it should just be obvious to all of us, but somehow we've gotten ourselves into this mess where we're shipping ingredients in from all over the world and having huge carbon footprints and using really dodgy stuff in our skincare and stuff. So, so when you say it like that, it's just sometimes it reminds me that with sustainability, it's like simple is best or local is best. Like it's not always so complicated. Um, and then I guess, you know, just speaking about plants, because, you know, um, it was just, I got actually, um, thank you for sending it to me, but I got your beautiful home diffuser yesterday. And it was so wonderful seeing like, you know, a real plant right in the diffuser. I mean, it's just, it's something you don't often see is just this sort of natural whole element in, in something like this. And I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you sort of cultivated your knowledge of plants over time, you know, how you knew which plants did what and how you've come to use them so much in the line. Was this something that you taught yourself or is this something that's been like, you know, sort of passed down? Like, where has that knowledge come from? Um, actually, it's this knowledge of, of plants and herbs and what they do for your body, for for your skin. This is a very old knowledge in the Alps, but also in the Swiss Alps as in the Austrian Alps. So uh, that's a common knowledge, you know, like the Chinese have their um, their ginger, what they use or whatever. So this is a, a common knowledge that's what St. John's Wurst does. And it's also a very traditional here in the Ringzerwald and also in the Swiss Alps and, and Germany, South Germany, that people do their own products like tinctures and creams and whatever so if you go through the village you will find young women they still do their own creams you know they they collect something and make a cream so this is already common knowledge and i also grew up like this because my grandmother when we were in this little hut in the summertime we always have to collect something yeah because everything you know and you say the best or the, the very rich uh, herbs are very high in the mountains. So the alpine flora is known that it's very strong and very, um, uh, very powerful because you can imagine a plant who still can grow in over 2000 meters where there's a lot of snow in summer, a lot of heat, dryness, everything. It's a very strong plant, you know, and has all this power in it, in the roots. So uh, the alpine flora is fantastic. And so she always, when we were up there, we had to collect arnica and then uh, some special uh, plants to make uh, out tea. So that was, I also grew up with this, yeah. And, and, and then when, when the idea came to do our own cosmetic, for sure I said, let's take this wonderful knowledge we have here yeah, of chamomile, of marigold, of all this which is surrounding us and put it in a very efficient, high, not high tech, but um, very, yeah, yeah, high tech it is some, uh, somehow high tech, it's natural, but still you have to, to put it together in the right way and make a very effective and sustainable product out of it. And this was very clear from the beginning on and, and we, we still believe in this. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I think as I go further and further down my own knowledge of just how incredibly powerful 
plants can be and looking at, you know, indigenous knowledge and stuff like this of like, you know, how much this was used in medicine and how healing it is. And it's, it's amazing. And I guess I'd love if I think a lot of people will be like listening to this wondering, you know, what is maybe like one or two of your favorite plants to use in the line and why, you know, like what are those sort of for you, those sort of local plants that really are just amazing and maybe you use over and over again in the line? Yeah, I mean, there are many and it's also often about the, um, the combination of plants, yeah? Because if you do that, if you use them in the right combination, they even can empower the, 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 the how can I say, the, how they work even yeah. more so that's the same you often find a blend of of herbs in a tea you know mm. because they i don't know if you say they put potency and are they yeah i think it's like it's the potency and it's like the alchemy of of the plants working together exactly yeah and so but what i really love is arnica because probably as well because this was this always reminds me of my grandmother because she did she just believed in arnica whatever there was it was just this arnica schnapps you got for the, if you had problems with your knees or if you got a throat and everything yeah. and and then I, what i really love is st john's wort mm. the healing plant you know uh, it's anti-inflammatory but it's also very calming i love that that plant it's and it's very difficult to grow it it's more a wild plant yeah and then, of course, marigold, which is also very nourishing, uh, chamomile. So, I mean, there are so many plants. Um, yeah. We could be here all day. <laughs> I know, but it is interesting about, you know, the St. John's Ward and the Arnica and all of this stuff um, and trying to find, you know, sustainably sourced Mm -hmm. ways of doing this is amazing and, and that it all just sort of grows locally to you is is kind of the best way I think but I guess also as we speak a little bit about the natural side of things you know what what are sort of some of the the more the chemicals or the more conventional skincare things that you've wanted to keep out of the brand you know like I think we're talking a lot here about trying to educate people for for the things they should look out for in their skincare. Um, so when you were kind of formulating things, what were just, what were those ingredients that you were like, we're just gonna leave these out in order to keep the product natural, safe, clean, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, from the beginning on, this was also what Ingo asked me, what is the philosophy? What should be in and what should not be in? So the list of what shouldn't be in was quite long, but for sure there was no, chemical preservatives, no chemical um, emulgators, uh, no, uh, how you say, emulsifiers. Emulsifiers, yeah, that's a hard one even, <laughs> even for a native English speaker. Emulsifiers, so no, chem no colors added, um, no parabens, no silicon oils, so that was quite a long list. And um, yeah, and this is still, even, nowadays it's even more that you look what what you are using because it's every day there's a new ingredient people say oh is that good and so now we are so conscious every day looking what we are using because um, people are very conscious about ingredients which wasn't the case of it 15 years ago you know people didn't know that much about ingredients and I love, and I really love that, like, there's, you know, when we talked about this a bit before we started is that this sort of holistic approach that you take to skincare. So, you know, you've got a lot of stuff on the website that's not just product, but of course it is what you're eating, stress management, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd love to hear about how you sort of think that external influences from our lifestyle can affect our skin health because I think we're starting to kind of put it together that there is a link but I just think the conversation can't be had enough about how we see how we see our lifestyles affecting the state of our skin basically um I mean for me a cream 
can never do a miracle. So this is our product. It's always um, that different things have to play together or different pillars you have to act on. And I learned this very early in, in my first years in the hotel because I, I worked together since almost 25 years with a Chinese doctor from the traditional Chinese medicine. And this, from that moment on, I got even more knowledge about how much our lifestyle is linked to to our glow, to our, in German, we say antlitz, yeah. It's also the diagnosis called antlitz diagnosis. So, and, and it, the skin is also connected with the organs and everything together. So you can't say, I have bad skin, okay, take this product. It, it, it won't work. And this is what we do here in the hotel for many, many years, also in the treatments we always add points for the lungs. We, we think about the yin yang and so on. And then when you ask me, what can I do to improve dryness in the skin or redness or whatever, I would always ask you, what's your lifestyle? Do you sleep enough? Do you have enough water? What do you eat? Yeah. Where do you live in a city on the countryside, on the seaside? Is it winter, summer? So, and then we can uh, make a very nice diet and a plan to say, okay, have more of this food, do less of this, take more care of your sleep. Uh, and then together with the right products, you will really have a, a wonderful improvement. But it's, it's, an, it's really, I mean, you can't say as well when people say, oh, the body, the face, and I mean, we are all in one, you know, it's not just a part of you. So I think this is very important to, and more and more people love this approach because they, they have more time for themselves and think more about it. And I think that's a very good improvement. Well, absolutely. And I think that this idea of self-care is finally starting to get the attention that it deserves because you're so right. Like I, I can tell when I work too hard and I'm going too fast and I'm not taking enough time. I, I do see it, you know, like I see it come up in my skin or other places on my body and it's just, it's not, it's not good, but I would, you know, we talk a lot about food at Rev. I mean, actually it's one of our favorite things for all of us to talk about. And we've been talking about so many different approaches to sustainable eating. And, you know, we always sort of say, somebody said this the other day, I think it was Leslie from Claire. She said, you know, a plant forward diet is really a great way to think about a really healthy diet. But how do you, how do you approach diet and, and food? Because I do think that's such an interesting topic for, for not just sustainability, but overall health and wellness you know like what for you is sort of like a really optimal balanced diet so i always say the last thing i wouldn't compromise in quality is my food <laughs> so i would get rid of my car my clothes my shoes everything but not of high quality food because for me healthy food is the base of a healthy life and this sleep and food that comes together. And this is just the base. If you don't have this, how can you? Because this is something we do every day. We have food every day, three times, five times a day, whatever. So that's really the base. Yeah? And I think very important about food is that the energy when you, I mean, what is the reason why we eat something it's because we feed our body. So it's because we want vitamins, we, we need minerals, yeah? We need all these things out of, of what we eat. This is what we are made for exactly. So make sure that everything you eat and get is full of energy and not died, I don't know, three weeks ago or, or collected so long and then preserved and then you eat it, yeah? So my diet is to get everything fresh i never never really in our kitchen you don't find anything 
like um, food which is already pre-cooked or something, it always has to be fresh and not canned and not whatever. And, and we try to eat as much as local as possible, you know? And, and I'm not this person who is so, oh, now we have another super fruit, which is um, gochi, and then we have this and that, you know? Gochi, we also can take our, our dried, um, how you say, um, what is Weintrauben? You know, grapes, sorry. So <laughs> dried grapes is more or less the same like a goji, but nowadays everything has to be very fancy and very um, chia and so on. And we have also chia here, which is the same like sesame. So, you know, for me, it's always the best what is surrounding you and there's a reason why we have cows here milk and cheese i mean we don't have rice i mean i can show you around there is no rice yeah. uh, and i think we have to learn much more to go back on what is seasonal and what is local yeah yeah That's yeah it, it's so funny literally we had um this wonderful chef called Sky Gingel here. And she's got a, a beautiful restaurant here called Spring. And she came on and she said exactly the same. She was like, you know, we cannot be saying that like a sustainable diet is vegan necessarily. If it means you're importing avocados and frozen mangoes and all this stuff to the UK. She was like, it's not sustainable. It's not supporting local, you know, economies. And also she's like, and don't tell me that to have a ha like a healthy body you have to drink coconut water if you live in London. She was like, you know, our, our British ancestors were healthy and they were not importing coconut water in order to be hydrated. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. I think it's it's so important. And and also just the carbon footprint of, of just eating local, you know, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, yeah. And, uh, and I totally agree, I mean, you know, I don't like extremes, yeah? So, you know, when you come here to Bregenzerwald, I mean, there is this dairy, dairy uh, product. So shall we now tell all the farmers stop doing milk and cows and everything and do avocados here? I mean, that's not possible. It's not, it's not possible. So why can't we say, let's do what we have in a, reasonable way for the animals for the nature it's a circle which was always here for centuries but do it right i'm also against mass production and and, and animals in very small cages sure but it's not everything good and not everything bad you know it's, there's not no black and white only Wow. Yeah, exactly. And it's really interesting. We're talking so much about like regenerative agriculture here, you know, and, and how you can use animals in a great way where they're treated well, and they're helping to fertilize the land and all of this stuff. So I think it's just like, I love I love everything you're saying, Suzanne, because I think it's like kind of what I was saying before. It's like I have these conversations sometimes and, 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 you know, our podcast with Lily Cole just came out today. And, and we were talking about, you know, will tech save us? Do we need tech to save us and solve the climate crisis? And she was like, to some extent, yes, of course, technology is great. But she was like, I think nature already has all the solutions we need. We just need to learn to like go back to them and and use them and, you know, appreciate them and instead of tearing them down or building over them or, you know, the things that we're doing at the moment. So so I agree totally. And um, and just, I guess, bringing it back to, to the skincare, because I know so many people are wanting to know about this, is that, um, you know, a conversation I have a lot of time with girlfriends of mine is this idea that natural skincare just isn't going to be as effective. So, you know, if you've always used La Mer, let's say, you, you have this sort of idea that that you have to have that amount of I don't even know what they put in it, but in order to get results, there has to be some sort of chemical basis. There has to be something that's not really natural. And what would you say to that sort of argument? Um, I would say uh, we proved that 
that's not really true. Yeah. I mean, I'm going this way now for 18 years. And when I launched the preventative anti-aging line, because I, I also grew up and I thought now I need something a bit more um, preventative. And I started with the anti-aging line, which the a cream out of this line is one of our best sellers. So um, everybody said, and also when we came to retailers, they already believed in the other things, but they said, no, no, with anti-aging, we go to the other shelf. Yeah? Also the staff, also the consumers. So it took us really a while to, to convince people that also with natural products, we can help against also different things, which not only has to be chemical, and it was not only our brand, there were some other brands with us, they went the same way. And I think now people, people believe that we also can do, or that also natural cosmetics can be very effective when it comes to prevent aging and things like this. Yeah. Well, that's actually, sorry, what? It was a long way. No, I know completely. I, it's so important. And I think it leads me on to my next question really well, which is like something that we're talking a lot about here at Rev at the moment is really getting to this point where, you know, and I thank my mother for this a lot. My mom was someone who always, she embraced aging. She never really tried to stop aging. You know, she would have never gotten Botox or, or done anything weird to her face, um, to, to do it. And I remember she always used to kind of tell me like, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman who sort of embraces the life that she's lived. And uh, uh, inevitably that's going to come up on your face. It doesn't mean that you can't have great skincare or a beautiful result, but also it's like, how how much do we need to fight aging you know it's like it seems like there's just billions of dollars being pumped into this industry to make women feel and, and particularly women too i don't see this money going towards men so much which is a whole other conversation but it's like why why do we have this sort of fear as women of aging and how do you sort of approach that to sort of maybe you know because i think of the suzanne kaufman woman as somebody who who is quite comfortable in her skin and isn't necessarily trying to fight the inevitable, but really, you know, just hopefully embracing and taking care of her, her face as she gets older, which is just totally natural. Like it's going to happen to all of us. I don't know why there is this, this fear of a wrinkle, you know, there seems for like women, my age, I'm 33. I I've got friends who are already, who have been getting Botox for years because they're scared of wrinkles. And I just, I find it, I find it kind of sad, you know, that, that we feel as women that we need to, to do this. So how do you guys kind of approach that conversation and, and talking about anti-aging without maybe making women feel like it's a bad thing? I completely agree with your mom. Um, completely. Uh, maybe that was wrong to say prevent aging, that that's not right. Because um, I, I also think, you know, we all want to, to get very old, but we don't want to age somehow. And that doesn't fit <laughs> together. Yeah. And it's a bit a pity that it's not like with cars, you know, because old timers are most of the time the most beautiful cars. So it's, we have to convince people as well um, that, uh, that it's, for me, it's, you know, this is always what I try to, to make people understand, to take care I see it, we, we, we get, when we are young, we get a certain amount of energy of, of, of whatever, yeah? So when we, and then with the, the aging, it normally everything diminishes like collagen production, uh, moisturizing um, and all this. So, and I think what we always try at Susan Kaufman to tell people, look, you have this beautiful skin, this beautiful body, hair, whatever, and make sure mind, I think the mind is also very important because you will never look beautiful. I think if, if you are not happy, it's difficult to look beautiful because people all, almost say, see it in your eyes. I mean, look beautiful. You know what I mean? It's, it's also 
all together. And so what we try to do and what is our philosophy at Susan Kaufman is to keep everything in a very good stage as long as possible and to prevent, you know, to, to have a, a nice skin. But this, for me, a beautiful skin doesn't mean no wrinkles. That's not the case, you know. So, and this is why we always tell the people, make sure that you take care of your body, of your of your face, of your mind, of your how you how how you um, how you walk, you know. Because I think sometimes it looks so weird. You see a person with no wrinkles, but then you see the hands, which are uh, very old already. So, and and then it's weird because we are a, one person, and and we should just be um, energized. And and this is what we wanna tell the people and help them with our products and with our holistic approach to keep this as long as possible. Yeah, and it's it's so funny how you were kind of talking about, you know, how beauty too is so, it is so connected to the mind. I mean, it's like how many times have we heard supermodels come out saying, you know, they went through times when they were really insecure and, and really anxious, you know, and like some of the most beautiful women in the world, you'll always hear them say that they they had bad image problems at some point in their life. You know, I think that's just no matter how you look, but it is funny because I do feel like, you know, when I, I, I remember in my own life, you know, when I started getting a job that I loved, like when I had started Rev and I was doing something with purpose and I started spending less money on like makeup and more money on my food and eating organically and like, you know, going to yoga instead of going out, like I started to, to feel better. Like, I don't think anything like my looks didn't change. My face didn't change, but like, I felt better within myself. And I think that that just, you know, is so powerful. And, and I, I love that it's sort of this idea that, yeah, just getting the whole sort of mind body connection to result in what's going to be hopefully our, our healthiest mm. skin and, you know, mindset. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the moments that uh, you put makeup on and I mean you can put a lot of makeup on and then people say oh you look good and blah blah and you start you feel like oh I'm tired uh, so and and then vice versa you have no makeup and you had a wonderful morning doing sports or whatever and you feel so strong with no makeup and you say well today I'm just the most <laughs> I don't know what you know so I think it's very important how how we ourselves look in the mirror and say oh you look good it's fine it's everything is good you know and not always thinking what is the the idol nowadays you know it's we have to feel comfortable in our skin and in our body and that's the most important thing and then everybody can see it so i, I think that's the only the only way we can we, for me you know that's yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I guess, you know, I just kind of wanted to circle back really quickly because I think that this is so, again, obviously everyone can tell that I'm, I'm hugely a fan of local, 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 keep it small, keep it local, what you've done. And, you know, I was reading about the brand and I, I was seeing that, you know, like you said, your brother was the architect. I think he read that he's doing some of your beauty tools. You know, you, you've kept everything really local within the brand. And I'd love to hear how, do you think that's a model for other businesses? Like, did it, did it seem like this was something that having done it now, do you think that there is room for, for most brands to kind of change this mindset and work with their local people? Or do you think this is something that specifically has happened to you because you just happen to be in an area that sounds extremely idyllic, let's be real. You know, you've got you've got kind of all the resources, but do you think this is something that could be applied on a wider scale? Uh, hopefully, yes. I mean, as you said, I'm very lucky to be in a region like this where you have good food, you have good architects, carpenters, you have an Ingo Metzler production, Albla, and so on. But, um, you know, I think that more and more if you want to do something and as a young person and you want to create something uh it's not only it's very important if you say okay uh, 
I want to do um, games for children, yeah, mm -hmm. and I want to make it out of wood, yeah. So I would say to one person, oh, that's a beautiful idea. Do that. It's handcrafted. Blah. So, but then please make sure that you start your business and the production somewhere where there is wood <laughs> and where there is uh, designers and carpenters who can uh, who are able to do this yeah I mean you wouldn't go to I don't know to the desert and, and uh, I, I don't know uh, where there is no wood and where you have to ship everything because it's just cheap and say and now I do uh, wooden uh, uh, games and things for children where there is nothing and I have to import the wood and I have to get the designers there and I have to get the carpenters there. That doesn't make sense. So, and I think more and more uh, new businesses are not only located where production is cheap or, um, but where it's really reasonable. And, and you, the more we do that, the less we have to transport things, uh, the less we have to be, um also dependent on so many things like the Suez Canal or whatever so oh God yeah yeah so I think this is something we should really um improve and I was lucky to have an idea of a natural cosmetic in the surrounding of the Bregenzerwald but I don't know this is always the question when I wouldn't have grew up here would I ever had the idea to do natural cosmetic? I don't think so. So, you know, it's always what was first. It's a trade-off, but I think, you know, it's interesting. I'm bringing on another woman of the podcast who I can't wait to have, but her name's Namshado. And, you know, she's originally from Africa, even though she's lived in, in London for a long time. And she's starting a, a wellness line for African women because they've been so underrepresented in the organic and sustainable space. And she's using all indigenous knowledge from where she's from in Africa. Like even though she's here in London, she's making everything there. She's utilizing local people to do it. She's utilizing knowledge from her ancestors. And, and, and she was like, again, she was like, of course I'm using everything from within Africa rather than shipping stuff from all over the world. So even if you're not necessarily there, like, I think there's ways for people to to always sort of honor where they've come from and, and use local talent. And it's interesting too. And I wanted to speak to you a little bit about this sense of like, I suppose community, it seems like you've got, you know, like a lot of people when they're trying to do a brand, there's stresses involved if they're on the phone in with somebody in Asia that's producing it. And then, you know, you're on with a stranger that's doing fabrics in, in I don't know, let's say India, and then you're on with another person who's manufacturing as a middleman somewhere, you know, we don't even know where. But it sounds to me like from reading about the brand and everything you do, you kind of like know all the people you work with. Like it's, you know, and, and there is such a beauty in that. And like, I would imagine it really makes work seem less like work in a way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our story of Susan Kaufman would never have happened uh, when we wouldn't have been in a situation like this. Because, you know, when I met Ingo, I was a young girl and I told him, listen, I want to do 24 products for the hotel. Um, I'm not out. I'm not coming from this industry or I, I just have this hotel and I know you can produce cosmetics so do we do this together and he said yes and years later I asked him why did you say yes and he said oh I thought you were sympathetic and I said okay <laughs> and, you know and then you see and you know each other here so if I do something very wrong here or, or I, I wouldn't get a chance you know, people know each other. So it's this still, this handshake mentality is so huge. And so we said, okay, we split the risk. This is your part. This is my part. I invest here, you invest there. That wasn't even a contract when we started. Yeah, That was literally nothing. We just said, okay, half risk. 
And if it works, it's good. If not, okay. And this is how we started. And if he would have asked me, okay, Suzanne, now you have to bring X amount of euros. I don't know if it would have happened, you know, because then I would say, oh, that's a big risk. And can I do that? And so it just started and grew very organically. And now uh, we are where we are. Yeah. I mean, and it's just I like that. I just think that's so whenever I go home to Maine, it's so funny, like, you know, in theory, you live in London and, and I do feel a sense of community within some areas of, you know, like I love my local farmer's market. I know people there and stuff, but like in Maine, when I go home, you know, my parents literally know everyone. They're saying hi all the time there. And they, there's this real sense of community that I, I fear can get lost um, and, and sort of lead to an unhappier society. So I love hearing that this is like such a wonderful way for you to work. And then I think, kind of one of my final questions is reading about what you've done. I mean, you guys have everything from like solar panels to thermal energy, like you've taken sustain, you know, you've just launched refills um, and you've used glass bottles, which, you know, you're trying to get away from plastic. And so you've obviously taken sustainability past, past, you know, just using a natural product, right? Like we get so many people that write and they're like, we've got an organic product. And I'm like, great. Like, what about the packaging? What about the production? What about whatever? And then the conversation sort of falls down because they can't go much further than the fact that they've created an, a natural product. So can you tell us a little bit about why holistically, like a 360 degree approach to sustainability has been such an important part of the brand for you? Yeah. Yeah, because I always say, I mean, I, I grew up in this nature and I also grew up with, with a respect to, to our nature, to animals, to human beings. So this is how we treat each other here and also, uh, I would say, nature. And so it was very clear that it has to be as sustainable from the beginning on as possible. And also the good thing was that Ingo, I mean, he's a, he's a genius and he's a visionary, you know? I mean, this machine, this new mixer he just got, it's the, the only one really, I think on the planet, which is solar powered, fully solar powered, you know? So he is always going with his visions and trying new things. And then people say, this is not possible. And then for him, it's possible. And somehow I also learned a lot of him uh, but I was always, for me, it was always clear that we use glass because, you know, back then plastic wasn't as good as, uh, as good. I mean, it was a different kind of plastic you got. It wasn't recyclable. It wasn't out of PCR and so on. And glass was the best, the best material. And uh, I still love using the glass. It comes from, from Germany. And it's 100% recyclable, so it's still one of my favorite materials. And I, I just, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was never, you know, nowadays everybody talks about the sustainability and what we do. And so this is, this was always very normal for me. As, as I said, I needed quality, high quality product. It was clear for me, it has to be sustainable. And now, it got this big, big trend, which, uh, you know, we, we just, the brand was always like this in the hotel. So, um, but I'm very happy that more and more uh, people are really aware of, of what we are doing, what we are consuming and, and it's getting more and more important. And that's very, very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've touched upon it, but I always sort of just like to end with asking people, you know, in terms of living a sustainable life, um, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like you're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a mother, you're, you know, a businesswoman, like, how do you, how do you go about like just considering sustainability? Like, is it just easy because of where you live? Like, do you think that your lifestyle is kind of inherently sustainable just because, because you're just so connected to nature and it's the way that like your grandmother did it and your mother did it and all of these things or do you think it's something that you're working at more and more every day well it's both yeah i mean for example it's very easy being sustainable uh when it comes to traffic because my office is just two minutes from my home <laughs> <laughs> very easy the 
dream, literally. <laughs> That's the easy part. No, but um, I mean, what is really, I every day work or every second when we go shopping in, in, in the supermarket here to take the right things with where it, I really turn around everything where it comes from, put it back, see the packaging. So that's also work for me because when the hotel is open, which is from tomorrow on, then it's easier because um, we get the things already unpacked. And, you know, I was used to get the things from the hotel when it's open. Now, when I have to go shopping, it's, it's really work for me. Uh, <laughs> shopping, And yeah, and then also, I mean, I try to learn the children that they don't use the, the washing machine until it's not full, you know, uh, the dish player that we use, not chemicals, there is also uh, organic uh, washing powder. So it's also work. Something, some things are very easy, which just go on. But it, sometimes it's also work to separate everything. And yeah, it's, it's both. I would say. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, and that's what we need people doing. We need people being like, you know, doing what they're already doing right, but also it is just a constant struggle and we all have to like kind of put that in every day, I do believe. And so my final question for you is one product from your range that you would say is sort of like your hero, like you'd love for everyone to try because you think it's so great, like what that is and, and, and why. Hmm. Yeah, that's always difficult when you have eight. <laughs> <laughs> like um, choosing a favorite child or something for you. I'd imagine it's very difficult. Yeah, but I think the product of the moment would be the iris stick. Um, it's uh, something everybody can use. Yeah, and I think it's also a great product for for our times where we live now. It's you know it's. Uh, I rescue so it's a gel with a roll-on so you don't need your hands to roll it on so it's very hygienic mm -hmm. I think also important and it's very good when you sit the whole day in front of this digital devices blue light and it helps against puffy eyes also dark uh, ring uh, dark uh, rings around the eyes so and it's easy to have in your handbag or close to your uh or on your office table so at the moment i think it's for me the iris stick. i would uh, love everybody could try it amazing well suzanne thank you so much this was so wonderful to speak to you and um i'm just really thrilled with everything that you've been doing and are doing and and thank you so much